at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now get five years no interest plus five months no first payment. But only through December 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com radio or call 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Just put out a tweet. You can follow me. It's at JeffWagner620. I spent a good portion of the morning Watching the defendant testify, Theodore Edgecombe, he is the guy who is on trial for the the murder of the immigration uh, attorney. Um, For people who haven't been following the case, it's a situation where um, a man and his wife are are driving home one evening, and they come across Edgecombe, who's on a a bicycle. There's a a brief altercation where the the vehicle has to swerve. I I think Edgecombe says they kind of swerved into him. Um, the, The other testimony is that um, he swerved and caused them to have to go into traffic to avoid him. But in any event, what's uncontroverted is that Edgecombe, who's on this bicycle, rides up to the car and punches the man who's in the passenger seat in the face. Edgecombe's story is that the man uttered this this racial slur. Matter of fact, his testimony is the guy was repeating the slur multiple times. I, I don't think there's any other evidence in the case that that was was really that that word was said or anything like that. But anyhow, what happens is after Edgecombe punches the guy in the face and tries to ride off, they they follow him. Man gets out of the car. Edgecombe pulls out a gun and shoots him in the face at point-blank range. And I've been watching the testimony, and I guess I haven't seen the cross-examination yet, but as I said on on my my tweet, um, having watched much of the defendant's testimony this morning, in my opinion, and without even seeing the cross-examination yet, if the jury lets this guy walk, it will be a miscarriage of justice on the scale of O.J. Simpson. Now, tonight, I I think I'll hopefully sit down and spend some time that typically they'll put the cross-examination up on YouTube and I'll watch that as well but it's it's really kind of scary because this guy's testimony it, it channels everything about Rittenhouse and then it ends up then you you add in the racial overtones because he claims that the n-word was used repeatedly and, and that he really he really ended up fearing for his life and had no choice but to shoot this unarmed man point blank in the face um, we'll, we'll we'll see where the this goes but needless to say having watched this testimony for quite a bit this morning i was singularly unimpressed but who knows how this reacts with how this stuff plays out with the jury okay a lot of ground to cover i want to i want to start with a story about hate crimes and, and what makes something a hate crime now typically when we hear about the idea of hate crimes we think of you know, burning a cross on, on somebody's lawn, right? No, it, racially motivated here, you're, you're trying to, to make a statement. Or you think about, I don't know, somebody defacing a, a synagogue, you know, something like that. And I wonder if we are going too far with the idea of hate crimes. Let me tell you the story. This is what happened in uh, Connecticut over the weekend. There, nationwide, there's, there's a chain of, like, uh, health food places that they, they sell juices and smoothies and things like that. It's called Robex. I think they're based out of California, but they've got places all over the country. So here's the deal. 
Last Saturday, you have a guy, 48-year-old guy, who goes into this Robex, and he orders he orders smoothies for himself and for his kids. One of his children has a peanut allergy, so he instructs the, the employees, he says, no peanut butter in this particular drink. Now, apparently, he doesn't say, I've got a kid at home that's got an allergy, but he says, no peanut butter, and they record this on the, the thing. They make the drinks. He takes them home, gives the drink to his child, who I believe is like nine years old at the time, and the kid, who has a peanut allergy, goes into, like, shock from from having this. So they have to call 911. And if you've ever known anybody that's got a peanut allergy, you, you know how scary this can be when somebody reacts. All right, so clearly they, they put peanuts, peanut butter in this drink. They weren't supposed to. The kid has a bad reaction. The dad is infuriated. So the dad drives back to the place, and he just blows a gasket. He goes in, and there's like four or five workers on the scene. He starts screaming. He demands to know who made this drink, and they say they either don't know or nobody fesses up to it, don't, don't know the difference, but they say, we, we don't know which one of us does. And he, he starts screaming and berating the, the four employees who, who worked there. This is terrible. You almost killed my kid, etc., etc. And he starts screaming at all of them and creating a huge disturbance. At one point in time, he says, what do you mean you don't know who made it? And there's a video of this, and, and everybody work into the shop are, are kids. I mean, they're, they're young people. And, and he says, you know, you, you ignorant high school kids, you, you know, you, you, almost, you almost killed my son. And one of them says, you have no room to yell at us. And they kind of scream back. He says, you got a complaint. You should take it up with the corporate office. At one point in time, as he's yelling at one of the, the people that are working there, he calls the kid, he call, and it's a woman, he calls her an immigrant loser before trying to barge into the employee-only area at, at this place. So in, in, with all the screaming that he's going, and he's threatening, and he's clearly creating a disturbance, and he, he's just kind of lost it because of this, and he's frustrated, and in the Along with all the stuff he's yelling, he says, you're an immigrant loser to the one person. Okay, so they call the cops. There's a video of this. The cops come out. They investigate this type of thing, and they issue a bunch of charges against him. He's charged with breach of the peace, in other words, disorderly conduct. He's charged with criminal trespass for uh, going into the employee-owned area. So you've got disturbing the peace, you've got trespass. But what they also charge him with is a hate crime, intimidation based on bigotry or bias, which is essentially the hate crime, because in the scheme of screaming at these people, he, he says, you're an immigrant loser. Okay, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I want to be really clear here. The guy's behavior was completely and totally unjustified. Now, I, I understand he's upset, he's angry because you know his kid could have died with the result of this, but that doesn't justify storming back into the place and being irate and threatening people. Okay, so there's no justification for that, and I, I have no problem with the trespass charge, I have no problem with the disturbing the peace charge, but they've also tacked on a hate crime charge because in in, in the tirade that he's screaming at, at, all, at these, these people, 
people who you know made the drink. He also says you're an immigrant loser. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the type of thing that, that the hate crime charges were really designed to, to deal with? I mean, it, it's disorderly conduct. It's trespass. It, it's all of those things. But is this really a, a hate crime that in the context of all the things you're screaming, you, you make a reference to the to the person's immigration status? Or, or shouldn't that all just be rolled into, I mean, all the other bad behavior that the guy was doing? And I guess if you consider this to be a hate crime, do you, do you diminish what we would really consider to be hate crimes, like I say, like burning the cross on somebody's yard or targeting a synagogue for destruction because you're anti-Semitic. Is this a hate crime? 855-616-1620. It's definitely a crime, and nobody is suggesting that he, he shouldn't be held accountable. But is it going too far to say you, you call the one person immigrant loser, that, that that should trigger a separate hate crime penalty? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I don't think anybody would or should argue that what this guy did was inappropriate. Everybody understand he's outraged because... You know, he, he's been given this smoothie that has now you know, caused his peanut allergic son to have an adverse reaction. They've got to call 911. So he, he's outraged that they've screwed up. So he goes back, he throws a fit, he starts screaming at the four young people who are making the smoothies. He becomes outraged even more when they say they don't know who it was that made the smoothie. And in this process of, of screaming all sorts of things at him, he calls one of the people there an immigrant loser. Okay, he's been charged with disorderly conduct, no problem with that. He's been charged with uh, trespass, no problem with that. But they've also added a hate crime because he made reference as part of this rant to somebody's immigration status. My question is, does that really strike you as something that should be a, a hate crime? It wasn't the motivation for what he did. His motivation is not because... She's an immigrant, not because of her race. His motivation is because he thinks somebody poisoned his kid. So he's screaming these different types of things. Is this different than burning the cross on somebody's lawn? Is this different than painting the, the swastika on the synagogue? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Mark on the north side. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I have to say that I'm uh, a very conservative person, and maybe six months ago, uh, I would not have felt this way, but I reconsidered how I feel, and I'm putting myself in this young woman's um, place, and just think about how that might scar her for the rest of her life, whether or not she's uh, going out for a sports team and gets cut, does she think it's because she's an immigrant, whether she's in school and doesn't get called on is because she's an immigrant. I think we as Americans have to stop using language like that and but Mark, uh, treating let me people stop all let me, But let me stop you there. Let me stop you. You, you say that you're, you're concerned yeah. that, that she's going to get scarred. He, he's screaming at all the people. And he's screaming all sorts of things. You guys are terrible. You poisoned my kid. You're incompetent. I mean, it's a long list of, of things. And, and I'm not defending what the guy said in any way, shape, or form. But added in that, that long list yeah. of incompetent, uncaring, blah de blah he throws, you know, you're, you're also an immigrant loser. You think that that, that phrase is going to 
to trigger all this stuff in the context of all the other things that, that he's yelling at her? We don't know. I mean, uh, this is why people argue that uh, I'm, I'm white. Uh, people are going to claim that I feel like I do. If I side with you, it's because I'm a white supremacist. We have to stop treating people of different nationalities and probably different colors with those kind of things. I just think it's wrong. We have to stop treating well, people Mark, like that. I mean, okay, he was wrong okay, for Mark, saying those things. But right. Well, right. He, but thanks for calling. I mean, I guess I, I mean, I, I, under, I understand. I, right. I, I understand that, that he was wrong. And I'm not disagreeing with this. But I guess I look at this. The, the motivation, this was not. What he was screaming at the woman was not motivated because of her immigrant status. He was screaming at her and all the other people because he was outraged over the, the fact that they had put peanut butter in the kid's drink and he had reacted like that. And again, he, he misbehaved. And I'm not in any way suggesting that he shouldn't be charged for that misbehavior. But I guess I, I just, I wonder if we minimize what, what really the, the significance of what are true hate crimes, if we say in the space of this, this long rant where you're screaming all these things, you, you have to you make a reference in this case to the immigration status. And, and so that's going to create a, a separate crime when that's really not what the motivation was, why he was so upset. And again, that's not suggesting that he shouldn't be held accountable for, you know, what what he did. Um, Jeff, the guy who screamed at the kids earned his hate crime charge. Could you put yourself in her position for a moment? Imagine having this sort of garbage yelled at you. But she's yelling, he, he's yelling all sorts of, of stuff. I mean, it's, is this really, are, are we going to criminalize speech in this factor, in this fashion, beyond, again, the, the underlying criminal stuff, beyond the disorderly conduct and, and, and all that? Is what he did worse because in the space of the, all the stuff that he's throwing out, he made reference to immigration status, along with other things like incompetent, et cetera, et cetera. Is that really the basis for a, a separate crime? Jeff, verbal abuse is still abuse. Of course it is, which is why it's, again, appropriate to bring charges. Jeff, I don't think this is a hate crime. A number of people are suggesting that. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gianni in Montello. Gianni, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. And listen, this is not a hate crime in, in, in the spirit of the, um, the, the the accusation because it minimizes real hate crimes. Uh, you you want to go, uh, you, you want an example, read kill, Killing a Mockingbird. But but I think that, that he, he really needs to be, uh, uh, you know, investigated and punished. Um, and by the way, why, why is he, if he's so concerned about his uh, peanut allergies, why doesn't he make the smoothie at home? can control the ingredients that goes in so he needs to maybe do a you know just maybe a 30-day stint in jail for his trespass and and um related um uh you know uh, violations but but no well, thank, it's not it's not well, a thanks for call. i guess I, right, I guess that's my point i mean look I, I don't know 30 days in jail i mean I, you know you who can you I, look, I don't know what the appropriate penalty is. I guess I haven't kind of thought that far. But, I mean, when you say 30 days in jail, you can steal, in the city of Milwaukee, you can steal multiple cars on multiple occasions, and you won't do 30 days in jail. You can be a felon in possession of a firearm and get caught. You won't do 30 days in jail. But I, I, I really don't care about the disposition of it. I, I think he, he deserves and needs to be held accountable. 
I just wonder whether this adds anything more to it and whether we water down the significance of what really are hate crimes by saying, okay, every time somebody makes a, a reference to somebody's race or ethnicity, is that does that trigger a separate crime, and does it make it any worse than the underlying crime? I mean, do you think that the other people who he was screaming at, who he didn't address as immigrant losers, do you think that, that they, you know, they felt any better? Oh, he, he didn't call me an immigrant loser, but he called me all this other stuff as well. Does it make it, is what he did worse? And again, do you trivialize the significance of real hate crimes, which is something that you need to condemn anytime you, you see it? The, the motivations, again, I'm giving you some of the more extreme examples with the cross and the, the facing the synagogue, but there's all sorts of examples of that where, where clearly, you know, you have people that are plotting and they're planning to commit crimes and they're directed against people because of their race or their ethnicity or their religion or whatever. And when you see those, they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Does this trivialize those when you say anybody as part of this rant that you've got going on um, that, that we're going to also add this enhancer to that? Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, so here's the story, and this comes from Ozaki County. Um, apparently what happens, 27-year-old woman, 25-year-old guy, they are arrested. Um, a Mequon police officer does a check outside a hotel on Port Washington Road, sees a white Audi in the parking lot without a front license plate. There's an Illinois plate on the rear of the vehicle that comes back to a 2006 Ford. Not an Audi. All right, the officer then learns that the Audi had been reported stolen in Milwaukee in 2020. They look in the vehicle. They find 44 credit cards, debit cards, belonging to other people that the guy and the gal, her name is Sequoia Brown, his name is Shane Davis, had apparently been using as well as other items. Hotel surveillance showed Brown getting out of the vehicle. Brown, who was registered, this is the woman, who was registered at the motel under another name, was found in the room with the guy. She told officers she thought the vehicle belonged to him. She had no idea it was stolen. Um, Brown admitted to police that she had used the same false name previously that she had used to register at the home, at the motel, and to purchase a house. Besides the 44 cards, debit or credit cards, belonging to others, officers found three checks to or from others in the vehicle with a combined value of $24,691. Numerous blank checks, six driver's licenses or identification cards belonging to others, and a little bit of marijuana. The cops said the cards had been accumulated as far back as 2020. They were continuing to investigate fraudulent use. So, okay, what you have here is you have these people who have essentially been running, apparently, for a couple years, this scam where they're pretending to be different people. They've got all these stolen identifications and stolen credit cards. They're driving a stolen car, etc. Well, why do I bring this up? Because here's the dazzling detail. We talk a lot about the bail and the ridiculously low bail that they set in Milwaukee County. Well, here's the deal. These people that have been all these, these fraudulent IDs, very, very few ties to the area. The woman, Sequoia Brown, she's out on a $2,500 cash bond. The guy is out on a $3,500 cash bond. All right, 44 stolen credit cards, stolen car, checks to or from others, blank checks, driver's licenses, identification cards, 
So clearly, you know, they have been, and I think, you know, once they investigate it, my guess is they're going to find this is part of this massive fraud effort, and they turn these people loose on $2,500 and $3,500 cash bails. You know, when we talk about bond, it's not just Milwaukee County where the judges get it wrong a lot. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, there's there's a story that's generated a lot of attention up in the Fox Valley, and I, I have to tell you, I, I'm I, I'm not understanding the the beef here. All right, now generally speaking, in this country, most people are at will employees. What that means is that you can you come and go as, as you please. If you decide, if you wake up one morning and you decide I've had enough, I, I'm quitting, there, there's nothing that stops you from, from quitting your job. And similarly, there's nothing that says that your employer can't come in one day and say, okay, we're, we're, we're firing you, you're, you're gone, boom. Now, you know, a lot of employers just don't do that immediately, and a lot of people give notice and things like that. But the truth of the matter is, as an at-will employee, you know, you can come and go as you want, and you can, as long as it's, it's, you can be fired for any reason or no reason, as long as it's not an illegal reason. If employers don't like that, well, what they can do is they can tie people up with with contracts. You know, and if you if you offer somebody a contract and they sign a contract, well, then you know you can limit their ability to to come and go. All right, which brings me to this story involving a couple of high, of a couple of medical centers, hospitals, in the the Green Bay area. Um, there's a hospital. It's called Theta Care. It used to be it used to be a separately named hospital. But what what Theta Care is is it's in Nina. It's a level two trauma center, and that means they've got specialists like interventional radiologists that are available to treat patients. All right, um, Ascension Saint Elizabeth which is in Appleton, that's a level three trauma center. And so they, they, they provide initial support to trauma patients, and then what they typically do is if you come in with a stroke or something like that, they'll then transfer you to ThetaCare, Nina, for, for more care. Okay, so that, that's kind of the background. So apparently what happens is um, a while back you have some employees who had worked at the Nina Hospital, ThetaCare, and the, the apparently in the radiation, the interventional radiology department, they, they work really closely. Like the nurses work really closely with some of the, the other the technicians and stuff. So what happens is um, one of the interventional radiology techs that works at, at ThetaCare, you know, up in Nina, um, becomes unhappy. Says, I, look, I, I, I don't, they, 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 they got rid of a couple people last year. I didn't like that. And she starts looking for a job. So she applies for a job at the hospital in, in Appleton. And um, she says, well, look, th- this, is, this is where I, I want to go. And so she applies for this open position at the end of last year. She gets an offer from Ascension, which get, pays her more money. And they say, here's what we're going to do. You'll, you'll be on call for fewer weekends. 
She says, great. You know, more money on call for fewer weekends. This is great. So she goes to some of the other people on her team. She's at the Nina Hospital, and she says, hey, I'm leaving. I've got, you know, Ascension wants to hire me. They're going to pay me more money, and they're going to give me better hours. Um, This is great. And you know what? I think that they're hiring people. They've got other spots. You guys should all come with me. You're going to make more money. You're going to get better hours. So what happens is... Um, the, the other technicians, they, they, they all go and they say, hey, you know, we're, we're willing to change. Ascension offers them gigs, so they're going to move. But what they then do is they go back to ThetaCare, you know, and they say, look, here, here's the deal. Um, we've got these better offers from the place in Appleton, and, and we're getting ready to go, but we're going to give you a chance to match our deal. If you want to match it, we'll consider staying. And they're told... Um, no, sorry, we're, we, you, you know, we're not going to match. We, you know, we, it's a better deal. We are not going to match you. So then what ends up happening is you have a couple others. These are like six or seven people that all work closely together. So four are leaving. These other three find out that those four are leaving, and they decide that they're going to go too. And Ascension offers them all, offers them all jobs. So they all decide to leave. Right now, this clearly creates a problem at the hospital in Nina, right? Because they're they're losing seven employees, they're losing you know all all this this help and stuff, and so what they do is they go to court and they file a lawsuit trying to get an injunction blocking the employees from leaving, saying if you leave our hospital to go to this other hospital in the area, what you're going to do is you're going to put public health at risk because we're not going to be able to provide the same level of services that we typically have. So the the hospital in Nina goes to court and says, we want an injunction judge stopping these people who are employees at will from leaving. And last week, the judge, at least initially, issues an injunction saying you cannot go. Well, okay, earlier earlier this week, upon further reflection, the judge has lifted that injunction and says, okay, well, the lawsuit can still proceed, but I'm going to let them I'm going to let them leave. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've been looking at this over and over again, and it's just difficult for me to be too sympathetic to the hospital up in Nina, the Theta Care. You know, they they were on notice that they had a bunch of employees who were getting ready to leave. They were given a chance to match the offer that the competing hospital was giving. They decided not to do it. And, and that, that's, that's all well and good. That, that's a business decision. But then it seems to me you can't turn around and complain when the employees decide they're going to leave. More importantly, if you wanted to prevent this from happening, well, you, you could have issued employment contracts. You could have made them deals. You could have cut deals where if they're under contract, they can't leave during the course of their contract. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is just a, a basic sort of staffing thing. And for for a hospital to run into court and say, okay, we, we can't allow these technicians and nurses to leave because it's going to jeopardize patient health by them going to Appleton instead of staying in Nina. All right, that, that's, that may very well be the case, but that's not the problem of the employees. They're, they're not prisoners. They should be free to move wherever they want. And this is a problem that, to me, reflects on the management of the hospital. It would be like saying to nursing home employees, gee, we've got a shortage of nursing home employees that are out there. And so 
Um, we're paying you $12 or $15 an hour or whatever, and you've got an offer to go across the street for, you know, 20 bucks an hour and better wage, better wages and, and better working hours or whatever. Well, you can't leave us because we're not going to have anybody to cook the food for the people at the nursing home or change the sheets or whatever. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think these employees have every right to change. And if, if it's a problem, if it creates a problem with the first hospital because everybody's leaving, well, maybe they should have thought of that earlier. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, it really seems to me this hospital in Nina, Theta Care, has got a, really got a lot of, of guts here. They, they're... The Hospital Ascension in Appleton makes offers. A number of the employees in this interventional radiology unit, they're looking to leave. So they, they offer them more money. They offer them better working conditions. And so then the employees leave. There, there's no contract. There's nothing keeping them there. So then ThetaCare runs into court and says, well, if, if we let these people leave and go to Appleton, the region's going to be in danger of not having health care for severely injured patients or people who've suffered strokes. You, you can't let them leave and go from Nina to Appleton, so you've you got to essentially force them to continue working for us. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't see this. Jeff, I live in Nina. Here's a text. I'm also a nurse. The fact that ThetaCare is doing this is just incomprehensible to me. What ThetaCare is doing is not just, in my opinion, immoral, but it's going to deter other employees from wanting to work there. I know nurses that work for Theta Care as well as Ascension, and I cannot imagine for a second that any health care employee, after hearing this, would feel this way. Um, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mark in Kenosha. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Sure. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen such a, a clear, cut and dry case of, of idiocy on behalf of ThetaCare. It's like uh, they had every opportunity. I almost would empathize with them if they didn't know that they were leaving until they just up and didn't show up one day. But no, they had a chance and everything. It's like not only did they shoot themselves in the foot here, they checked the chamber, made sure it was loaded, said, okay, looks good, and then still fired away. It's like uh, if you wanted to avoid this issue, you could have matched their offers, but you chose not to, and now you're crying foul because they want to take the better offer. It's common sense. Yeah, Mark, you make a great point because in, in, in the case of a couple of the people, they apparently just decided to leave, but a number of the others went in and said, hey, we've got these offers from Ascension. They're offering us more money. They're offering us better hours. We'll stay, but we want you to match it. And so the hospital in Nina says, well, sorry, we're, we're not going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the decision that you have made. You shouldn't be surprised then that everybody's going to leave. It, it, last time I checked, it was a free country. That's the the beauty of capitalism, and now they want to cry foul when it's the shoes on the other foot. Well, you walked right into this. You asked for it. You set it up, and you manufactured the shortage by not retaining yes. the employees when you had chances to do so. Well, what yeah. can you do? Thanks to call, Mark. You're, you're exactly right. You you meant you create the shortage. Look now, there's. You know, actually, one of our you know one of our texters makes a point that there there are oftentimes. You know, physicians, for example, typically have contracts with health providers, and oftentimes those contracts contain what they call non-compete provisions, and that's that's to protect 
the, the first health care provider because you don't you don't want a group of physicians getting together, okay, our contract is up and, and we're going to leave this medical provider and we're going to go across the street and we're going to take all our, our patients with us. So what you do is you issue contracts. Those contracts can include, you know, non-compete provisions and things like that. And, but that's, you know, that's the decision that the health care maker, the health care provider get, gets to make. You know, and, and then, you know, people can decide whether they're going to sign the contract or not. But I've been watching this entire thing, and I'm thinking it really is, and I'll use the word gutsy because there's another word that comes to mind, uh, of the first hospital to say, we're, we're going to try to prevent our at-will employees from leaving because we think it will create a public health problem. Well, okay, that's that's your problem. You should have anticipated that. You should have thought of it. You should have matched the offers if you thought this was going to be a big deal. But to go to the other employer, to go to court and say, well, these people shouldn't be allowed to change jobs is just, in my opinion, fundamentally wrong. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Okay, I, I have... I have a rule that I'm going to put in place between now and and the election, and, and that's just to part, partially help me keep my sanity. There's going to be a lot of really silly, stupid stuff that you will hear on TV or maybe hear on the radio or definitely see in the paper, because what happens is you have... You know, political operatives who feed newspaper columnists the, these stories because they're trying to make the other side look bad, and then the newspaper columnists or the talk show hosts on TV or radio or whatever, they, they, they're trying to fill time or they're trying to, um, I don't know, patronize a certain segment of their audience, and they run with this stuff. And, and what you have is you have really nothing burger stories. I mean, things that are just completely contrived and designed to make one side look bad or the other side look bad. And, and you, you see that a, a lot. And my general rule is I, I'm going to, just to try to keep my own sanity, I'm not going to get caught up in the stupid stuff. And whether it's Republican or, or Democrat, I know I might point out that, that some of the stuff, in my opinion, is stupid and meaningless, but I, I'm, I'm not going to devote 20 minutes of, of a program to talking about how this is an outrage or that's an outrage. Classic example of that. All right, so Joe Biden gets caught on a hot mic yesterday. He, he's having this, you know, the, um, the, he's doing this media availability and people are shouting questions at him. And uh, Peter Ducey, uh, who's from Fox News, he, he says... Um, you know, hey, Mr. President, is inflation going to be a political liability ahead of the midterm elections? And apparently Biden, not realizing he's got a microphone on and this is going out, says, no, it's a great asset. More inflation. What a, And then he says, what a stupid SOB, except he doesn't say SOB. So, you know, th- this is now the story that's going out there. And you have, you know, Biden who campaigned on I'm not I'm not going to be Trump and it's going to be a kinder, gentler thing. And I'm I'm not going to use some of these terms, et cetera, et cetera. So this now becomes a story in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and the New York Times and all over that you've got Biden, you know, doing this stuff. Biden apparently reached out, you know, afterwards after he realized that he'd been caught in the hot mic and, and didn't apologize per se, but he, he did say, look, I, I just I wanted to clear the air and I, I understand you were just doing your job or things like that. I... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the kind of stuff that just that makes your IQ drop as you hear about it. Of, of course, of course, Joe Biden, you think Joe Biden doesn't go back every night and complain about, you know, this question or that question or the way Fox News treated him or, or whatever. Of course, 
Of course he does. And, and so anybody who thinks he, he doesn't, anybody who thinks that, oh, this guy is completely different than Trump, although Trump apparently just, I mean, he reveled in it. He, 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 he loved the give and take. He loved the public antagonism with the news media. Okay, Biden has tried to create a different impression, but let, let's face it. I mean, Biden, Biden's an old-time Paul as well, and I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, this is a stupid question, and... Uh, actually, the Fox News reporter, his credit, he says, well, you know, I've been called this a lot, and I, 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 I haven't seen anybody fact-check to say that that's incorrect. But I guess the bottom line is, given everything that's going on in the world, you've got inflation that's through the roof. You've got the stock market, which has been cratering. You've got, you know, the, we're, we're on the verge, potentially, of World War III, either in Taiwan or in Ukraine. We've got all these different issues that are going on. The border's out of control, all this different stuff. I'm not going to get too worked up about whether Joe Biden calls a Fox News reporter a stupid SOB. It's just, and that's going to be my philosophy moving forward over the next 11 months. So when you get some of these stories that are absolutely nothing burgers, just remember, I thought this was one, and I'll probably point out a lot more over the next several months. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. What do they say? You can't fix stupid. And, and, and I'm sorry, there, there is one aspect of election reform that, that, to me, the answer is so obvious that I cannot understand why we are spending all our time spinning our wheels on this. And at the same time, I would say to former President Donald Trump, shut up, J- just stop. Get out of Wisconsin and let this go. I'm talking, of course, about the, the absentee ballot drop boxes. Now, for those of you who do not know this, there's... It's it started after the covid elections. And what would happen is in a number of communities in both Democratic districts and in Republican leaning districts, what the clerk of courts would do is they would set up secured drop boxes in many cases, like outside City Hall or whatever. So people who had obtained absentee ballots could return them. Right. That that was the idea. And you could put it in the the drop box. Now, the way the law works in Wisconsin is the law is unclear. It, it does not provide for drop boxes. It, it, it says essentially that you can mail them or you can drop them off at, at City Hall, at the clerk's office, at the voting place. So there's no specific provision for drop boxes. Right? That's the background. number of legislators file a lawsuit saying that since there's no provision in the law for it, you shouldn't allow them. A Waukesha circuit judge... Not just not evaluating the merits of drop boxes or not agrees with this argument. Says, look, there's no provision in Wisconsin law that says you can do it, so you, you, I interpret that to be you can't. Well, the other day, the appeals court stepped in. They overruled the Waukesha judge, Judge Boren, saying it's too close to the February primaries to make this decision, so we're going to put that on, on hold. But, but that's a legal issue as to whether the drop boxes are allowed under the current state of the law. There's a number of Republicans who have apparently been considering legislation which would provide for drop boxes, which would solve the, this entire problem because they make it clear that this was going to be allowed. So into this, Wade's former President Trump, who sends out emails or whatever, talking about how the fools, that would be Repub- it's a news release, fools are playing right into the Democrats' hands. 
um, by by going ahead with the drop boxes. Some rhino, Republican in name only, Republicans in Wisconsin are working hand-in-hand with others to have drop boxes again placed in Wisconsin. Um, drop boxes are good only for Democrats and cheating, not good for Republicans. So that that's Trump's position on this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. On, on this issue, my message to former President Trump is... Go away. Stay out of Wisconsin. Here, here's the bottom line of all this. And I, I, I want to discuss the whole concept of, of these election drop boxes. Because to me, this is a common sense thing that Republicans and Democrats should be able to agree on, which would allow people to vote easier and would not increase dramatically any sort of sense or possibility of fraud. I mean, here, here is the deal. If I if I get an absentee ballot, and I put it in my I put a stamp on it and I mail it back. Right? There, there's a lot of people at the post office that have to handle it. It can get lost in the mail. No offense to my friends who deliver mail or anything like that. If it's okay to put it in a U.S. mailbox and be handled by the mail people and then delivered to the clerk's office. Why, what in the world would be the objection to, as, as long as you got the provisions for the security and monitoring or whatever, what would be the provisions, what's wrong with me being able, if instead of dropping it off in the mailbox, I decide that I want to go and I want to put it in the drop box outside of City Hall or whatever, what what could be the possible objection to that? And then somebody from the elections clerks goes out and they, they accumulate them once a day or whatever. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I understand that you can have a real debate about, you know, whether this thing or that thing could lead to voter fraud and stuff of the like. But at the same time, we, we have to, I think, also recognize that this is, is 2022, and we need to do everything we possibly can to make it easy for people to, to vote. And at this particular position, a, a drop box is the easiest thing. It has nothing to do with who gets the absentee ballots. It has nothing to do with who can sign the absentee ballots. It has nothing to do with whether or not an improperly filled out absentee ballot can be corrected by the courts. It's just by the clerks. It's just here. You know, we make it easier for you to drop off your completed ballot. And if you can put it in a mailbox. Why couldn't you put it in the drop box? If you could walk into City Hall between, I don't know, 8 and and 5 o'clock and give them the completed absentee ballot, why shouldn't you be able to pull up at 8 o'clock at night and stick it in the slot in that in the ballot. To me, and this is just one of those things, Republicans can use them, Democrats can use If the argument is, well, you put them in Milwaukee and it makes it easier for Democrats to vote, okay, well, my response would be, well, make sure you've got them in the heavily Republican areas as well. If it's not going to be something that leads to a dramatic possibility for fraud, what, why not do it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's take a break and then discuss. Uh, I, forgetting whether the law right now allows them or not. That's a whole different question. But is this, 
Is this really something that is going to put the integrity of elections up for grabs? The fact that you can take an, a completed absentee ballot in the envelope and instead of putting it in the U.S. mail, you can put it in a secure drop box outside of City Hall? Sorry, I, I just I, I don't think this is a danger to elections. 855-616-1620. And by arguing that it is, I think that you minimize and hurt your chances of being taken seriously on other issues where it, it is perhaps a big deal. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. See, to me, the real question is, if you were to put drop boxes outside of certain public buildings or, or whatever. And I, I mean, I understand you've got to have some controls on it. I'm not saying you put an election return drop box on every street corner. But if you were to put one outside of City Hall, for example, um, is that really going to lead to any significant increase in potential for fraud? And I mean, I'm sorry, I, I just don't see it. Here's a text, Jeff. When it comes to something as serious as my God-given American right to vote, I don't trust the post office. God bless them. But as someone who has voted ab- who voted absentee last time, to take my sealed ballot, put it directly into the Oshkosh City Hall box drop, it felt so much safer. I was able to call the next day, and election officials confirmed that my ballot was collected. Easiest form of voting ever. I fully intend to do it in the future. Former President Trump needs to let the voters vote how they choose. And by the way, I voted for conservatives. If this is the direction Republicans are going to take, I won't be voting that way again. Well, I don't know if this is if people are going to decide. Gee, I'm, I'm going to vote for I'm, I'm going to vote for Democrats and the Green New Deal and um, wealth taxes and things like that because of election drop boxes. But but to me, th- this is just a common sense thing that you know we, we should do that you can do to make it easier for people to cast ballots without creating any significant potential for fraud. I mean, fight fight about the the significant things. I mean, if you know, to, to me, same day registration has always been my biggest beef because that's one where you have no ability to check. You know, at least before somebody votes, whether or not they're a legitimate voter. I mean, th- those are the things that I'd be looking at, not, you know, wh- in, whether, gee, they, they put it in a drop box outside of City Hall as opposed to putting a stamp on it and sending it through the U.S. mail. Let's talk to uh, Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I sure. agree with you 100%. Um, I don't understand how drop boxes can be a partisan issue. Uh, you correctly pointed out that in some respects it's safer than uh, dropping it in the U.S. mailbox yeah. because fewer people handle it. And plus for the drop boxes, I think you have um, uh, cameras uh, yeah. uh, right next to them. And, and the drop boxes are located, at least in Milwaukee, outside City Hall and at each of the neighborhood libraries. So to me, those are very secure areas. Yeah, and, and I mean, what's in, you know, somebody's texting me, well, Jeff, you know, if there's any potential for fraud, you, you shouldn't do it. Well, I mean, I don't understand what the potential for fraud is as to where where you put your ballot. I mean, right, I mean, the fraud is who gets the ballots, who fills them out, those sort of things. But whether you put the stamp on it and drop it in that blue mailbox on your corner or you put it in the drop box, to me, I, I don't see how that makes, I don't see how that enhances the potential for fraud in any way, shape, perform it just makes it easier for people to vote which i think is a good thing i agree completely yeah thanks for the call dennis i i appreciate it and again see and that's that that's what i think 
See, that, that's one of the things from the perspective of the Republican Party. If I were to give a, a message, it would be, look, you're, I think you win on a lot of ideas. I, I mean, and, and instead of, I don't know, fighting about silly stuff, why don't you just say, okay, here, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to win on our, our ideas, and, and we're not going to worry about whether or not, if you've got a couple drop boxes in, in Milwaukee, that's going to make it easier for people who might be more inclined to, lead dem- to, uh, to vote Democrat to return their ballots. Instead, just, just embrace this and say, okay, look, we're, we're going to try to win those people over. Or alternatively, we want to go to the heavily Republican districts, and we want to make sure that it's easiest for those people to vote as well. 855-616-1620. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. How you doing, Jeff? You're absolutely right. To me, this just shows the shallowness of the state Republican Party and Robin Voss. The fact is they, they were basically trying to solve this uh, statewide about these uh, drop boxes. And, and, it's not, and, and again, it's not a Democrat or Republican issue. The fact is you can have these drop boxes all over the state. The fact is to try to make, it, it, this is 2022, you're trying to make a, a, a voting a little bit easier for individuals. And, and so, but then you get the edict from uh, Emperor Trump and all of a sudden they back down. It, it, it just it just shows how shallow they are. It, it makes no sense. We can solve this in this state about about how we do our elections. We don't need uh, 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 an edict from on high to try to tell us how to run our election. But the point is, is that this is not again like you were saying a, a partisan issue. The fact is, it, 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 we need to try to figure out how to make sometimes make these elections. We can't do like we did at night and in, in, in the 1800s, just walk to walk down to the uh, election. Uh, uh, place and, and put our balance in. Let's make this a little easier for people to vote in this country. Right. You make it easier. And at the same time, look, I, I, Vincent, I, I understand people have some legitimate concerns about you know people who shouldn't be voting, voting and things like that. I, I guess I just don't see how drop boxes, <laughs> by, by, by saying you can put it in this box outside of City Hall, that creates any more potential for fraud or mischief than saying you can put a stamp on a ballot and put it in the mailbox. It, it just, to me, it, it's the same thing. <laughs> Especially with what's happening with the post office, we barely get our mail half the time. So especially what happens with the post office, how can you trust them to get your ballot there on time or, 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 or to the election commission, you know, through, through, through the post office? So, so I think to have the drive box and have an election commission able to pick it up and make sure it's secure helps everyone in the state, not just Democrats. Right. No, thanks for the call, Vince. And see, and again, my argument with this would be, <clears throat> see, one of the things that I have issues with, with the, the, some of the different state election laws that allowed ballots to be counted, not in Wisconsin, but ba- ballots to be counted after the polls close. I mean, I think, for example, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, look, if, if you're going to vote, that that vote has to be in by the time the polls close. I, I, I so none of this. Okay, we, we've mysteriously found all the these ballots that are they're coming in. I think the ballots should be there. Well, the drop boxes make it an even better argument. If you've got the drop boxes that are available, you say, look, if you're voting at the last minute and you don't want to go and do it in person, well, then you have to take advantage of the drop box. Jeff, back in 2014, my parents tried voting via absentee ballot because they were basically homebound, but the postal service didn't deliver the ballot to them until the day before the return due date. If a drop box had been available, I could have dropped them all off on their behalf. They wanted to vote, but the Postal Service didn't let them. Well, that might be a little bit harsh, but again, what are we we afraid of? Let's make it 
as easy as it can for people who have legitimately obtained ballots to return those. Kathy in Cedarburg. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I think Hi. that we already are making it pretty pretty darn easy for um, the voters to vote. We give them days and weeks ahead of time to vote. As far as dropping off ballots late at night, um, I'm an election worker, and it would be two, three in the morning before we could finish and get to those absentee ballots and then have to feed them in. That would be ridiculous. I think U.S. Mail, is it's a federal entity, um, and there might be federal laws that would govern people cheating. A drop box just located anywhere in any city without any cameras or oversight would encourage fraud. People could go into nursing homes and they could collect a bunch of ballots and drop them off, help the elderly person well, okay, but, but Kathy, they could still do that but, but Kathy they, but Kathy they, they could that, that has nothing that has nothing to do with drop boxes if, there's a certain if obligation no, on the voter when you go into city hall and you drop your ballot off in person you feel proud kind of like when you get your sticker when you vote when you allow people to just drop them in a box anybody could be doing but, that but, there's but, no but, in, Kath, but no Kathy people can do that now they can put them in the mailbox I mean if you've got somebody that wants to go let's right. use your example with a nursing home and, and commit commit fraud you fill mm-hmm. out the ballots fraudulently and stuff mm-hmm. what they could do now is they could mm-hmm. do that exact same thing they could put stamps on them they could walk down and they could put all those ballots in the u.s mailbox and send them in it, it so they could do that now which would why, make why it a federal it drop- crime which would make it a federal crime it would make it a federal crime to do something oh. fraudulently and put in the u.s mail um as opposed to I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but it, it seems to me there would be more restrictions if you're using the mail, U.S. mail to commit a crime well, than state if you were fraud. simply no, dropping I mean, it off. No, Kathy, thanks well, for going. No, I'm sorry. I'm just not... Well, it's right. It's, it's, it would be well in that case. It would be voter fraud. It would be violation of, of state law. You, using the mailbox, I don't think changes the dynamic. I guess. And I, look, and I, I, you're talking to somebody who who likes to go to the clerk's office. And I, I do take advantage of the early voting, but I, I love to go in there and vote. I, I'm just saying that. At some point in time, when, when we come up with some of these scenarios, it, it almost sounds like we're getting into the realm of, of complete and total paranoia and, and putting aside just like, like this common sense sort of thing. Let's compete on ideas. Let, let's, let's make it as easy as possible as we can for people to legitimately vote. Let's be concerned about the people who might not be entitled to vote. But I don't know. Again, I keep coming back to this notion. If I can put it in the mailbox on the corner, why shouldn't I be able to put it in a drop box? Now, Kathy does make a point. I, I'm not saying that you should just put them up everywhere and not have any security on them at all. I think there needs to be standards. Where are they going to be? I think there needs to be security cameras. They need to be only be able to be opened by by election officials and things like that. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that, you know, in every corner tavern you've got a, an election drop box in the back but you know if you've got them outside of public libraries my gosh you can pay your taxes at city hall you can put them in the drop boxes for that i just think we need to be aware of the fact that we, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to vote and to me this drop box argument it's just to, to, this is not the hill people want to die on back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, uh, 
In that break, we, we heard one of the radio advertisements that Senator Ron Johnson's campaign is running. I was doing an interview with somebody the other day, and they, they, they said, well, I mean, Ron Johnson's had a target on his back the, the whole time, and there's all this money that's being put in, and he's the only Republican running for re-election to the Senate from a state that was carried by Joe Biden in 2020. And, you know, uh, Johnson's become the, this hot-button guy, and, you know, you, you've got all these people taking all these shots at, at him, and, you know, he's he's waited, as I have said before, he, he's taken you know some he's un, in my opinion he, he's gone down some rabbit holes that he doesn't necessarily need to to go down and he's made himself perhaps more controversial than he needed to be so that the general theory is well i mean how can ron johnson win i'm going yeah of course ron johnson can win matter of fact i i think it's probably more likely that he does and somebody says well, well why what why could that be there, there was a piece in the wall street journal and maybe i'll, I'll link to this it's it's one of those things that's behind the paywall but it it talks about the principal challengers to, to Ron Johnson. And what you have to understand is, and this is what I try to explain to people, it is a binary choice. You're going to have to decide, are you going to vote for Ron Johnson, or are you going to vote for whoever the Democrat challenger is? And the piece on, in the Wall Street Journal makes the point that all the Democrat challengers are way, all the main ones, are way, 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 way to the left of Joe Biden. I mean, to the left of Joe Biden. And so the issue becomes, all right, Ron Johnson might be controversial, but is this state really in 2022, given, you know, where where the Biden poll numbers are and, and given all the issues, do you really want to make a dramatic move to the left? Now, the four principal Democrat challengers, and again, I don't mean to discount some of the others, but it's the Wisconsin State Senator, um, Treasurer, her name is Sarah Godlewski, you've got uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, you've got, you know, Alex Lazary, the the kid owner, uh, his dad who owns the Bucks, that's his big claim to fame, and you've got Tom Nelson, the county executive from up in the Fox Valley. Okay, so where are they on the issues? And the interesting thing is there's been almost no discussion of where these people are. Um, Just looking at the Wall Street Journal piece, just to try to tie him in on certain things. All four of them want to see the Senate's 60-vote filibuster rule eliminated. All of them support legalizing marijuana. Barnes and Nelson support Medicare for all. Okay, um, that essentially says you, you can't have your private insurance anymore. You, you know, you everybody would be under the government's insurance. Okay, Lazary, he supports Medicare for all who want it which I, I'm not sure anybody knows exactly what that means. Galuski, she says, well, I, I'm not sure I support Medicare for all, but I think, you know, we, we need to have universal health care. She supports an Elizabeth Warren-style wealth tax. Um, Nelson, up in Appleton, he supports the Green New Deal. I mean, okay, um, you know, the Green New Deal. Um, you've got Barnes. Um, he's... You know, been pictured, you know, holding up a T-shirt that says abolish ICE. He's somebody who has certainly flirted with endorsing the concept of defund the police, although he's been backing off on that after it kind of blew up in his face. So I'm just talking about how 
for people who say, okay, this election's going to be over, there's no way that Ron Johnson can win, I, I'm just telling you, you really need to take a step back because at some point in time, people are going to have to end up making a decision about not – Gee, you know, what what do we think about, you know, should there have been alternate remedies to COVID or, you know, should you have been more pro-vaccination or all that sort of stuff? At the end of the day, the voters of Wisconsin are going to have to make fundamental decisions. Do you want somebody that's going to support Medicare for all? Do you want somebody that's going to talk about a, a, a wealth tax? Do you want somebody who's going to be in favor of defunding the police and abolishing ICE? I mean, those are those are the fundamental issues that people are going to decide. And so for everybody that writes Ron Johnson off, I'm saying, you know, just, just wait, because I think once the campaign really starts and once people start finding out just how far out there the people who are running against him are, I think it's going to be a very, very different dynamic. Mark the tape on that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's a story in the Journal Sentinel today that that really caught my attention. And we talked a little bit yesterday about this horrible story. Six people found, you know, dead Sunday afternoon in this duplex on, on 21st and, and right in the city's what they call the Park West neighborhood. And they've released the names of the individuals, um, a 42-year-old guy, 23-year-old guy, 31, 44-year-old, 49, and a 43-year-old. So, I mean, these aren't, these aren't kids. These aren't teenagers. Um, and so far, they're not releasing any details behind, you know, what happened. We don't know if it was a drug-related. We, we don't know anything about it other than the fact that you have six people that, that are dead. And, I mean, that information will all come out. But it, what, what caught my attention is, is the, the back part of the story. And I want to share a portion of it with you and then offer a comment, maybe open up the phone line. So the, the, the headline here, neighbor, gunfire common in the area. Milwaukee police have been called to the duplex before. This is where the, they found the six bodies. Milwaukee police have been called to the duplex before in recent months. In September, police received a complaint of drug dealing, according to dispatch records. A month later, a 24-year-old man was killed and another man wounded in a shooting at the corner of North 21st Street and West Wright Streets, according to the police. Um, um, Cartwright, who's one of the neighbors, and other neighbors said the area is plagued by gun violence. Even if she had heard gunshots in the area recently, she said she wouldn't have thought much of it, especially if there was no accompanying police response. Let me say that. So one of the neighbors says, um, even if I'd heard gunshots, I, I wouldn't have thought much of it. It really happened so often, so I really didn't pay that much attention, she said. The duplex is located within the Park West neighborhood, bordered by North Avenue, North 20th Street, and Burleigh Street, with Fond du Lac Avenue running through the western portion of the area. It has been especially hit hard by gun violence since the pandemic. In 2019, 13 people were shot, one fatally in the neighborhood. In 2020... 65 people were shot in Park West, nine of them dying from their wounds, according to the police data. In 2021, the violence continued with 45 shooting victims, including eight homicides. Um, Prior to the mass killing, there had been one other shooting related to a robbery in the neighborhood this year. Of course, it's only January 25th. Several residents emphasized in interviews that they try to keep them to themselves and stay out of the conflicts in the street. 
It's terrible. It's scary, says a guy who lives several blocks from the home. Okay, so the, the impression that you get here from the, this story is that you, you have an area which is completely and totally plagued by, by crime. That, that there's to the point where you say, you have one of the neighbors say, well, e- even if I had heard gunshots, which I didn't, but even if I had heard gunshots, I, I, I wouldn't have thought anything of it because I, I hear gunshots all the time. Um, residents are saying, we try to keep them some sal- to ourselves. We, we try to stay out of conflicts on the street. It's scary in, in this area. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's have a frank discussion. We have people that are, are running who want to be the mayor. What is the answer? What do you tell people that live in this community whose general reaction is, oh, uh, okay, we're, we're shocked that there's six bodies found in this house, but, you know, there, there's gunfire all the time. People are getting shot all the time. We're afraid to go out of our houses. We're afraid to go out on, on the streets. What do you tell people when they, they, they say this, because you've got an area of the city of Milwaukee, and I, I assume, and look, and I know, there's lots of good, hardworking people there who, who want to take care of their properties, and they want to raise their kids, and they want to come home from work and enjoy, you know, whatever their part of the American dream is, but they're held hostage because of the out-of-control violence. I can't imagine living in an area where the response is, gee, there's so much gunfire around here then i just i just don't even think anything of it oh there's just another shooting or you know we we can't go out on the streets because if we do well you know who knows we might end up being the next victim 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line I, i think i think when you have these problem areas and this is clearly a problem area there's a couple things that need to be done first of all you need to saturate the area with police. And the idea that, oh, you know, we, we got reports that there's drug dealing going on in this house. Okay, what, what's done about that? You, you can't just tolerate that. You know, we have to take a zero-tolerance approach when it comes to criminal activity. At the same time, I, I think, I don't mean to put a burden on the neighbors, but th- this is where... This is where the neighborhood has to rise up and help take back the neighborhood from from the bad guys. This is where the neighbors have to show up with the block watch things and work in conjunction with the local elected officials and work in conjunction with the cops and say, you know what, Here, here's the deal. You know, we're, we're, we're tired of this, This whatever the house might be. This is a house, and, and, and they're dealing drugs out of there, and, and we know it, and we're seeing this go on all the time, and, and we're going to pick it outside that house, and we're going to call up our local aldermen, and we're going to demand that something be done, and we're going to demand saturation patrols of the cops. You cannot allow urban areas to completely and totally deteriorate. It's not fair to the city, and it's not fair to all the good, decent, law-abiding citizens who are trapped in their homes. Because here, here's the bottom line. My guess is, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm trying to personalize this, if I lived in an area like that, where, my, my gosh, oh, there's another, another day, another gunshot thing, I would get the you-know-what out of there as quickly as I could, which tells me that the people who are still there are either people who are trying to make a difference in the community, God bless them, or more likely they, they just 
don't don't have the assets, don't have the wherewithal, don't have the ability to get out of those, those shooting gallery types of neighborhoods. And it's not fair to abandon them. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, when I first moved into my neighborhood, I used to report gunfire. The police would show up two or three hours later, kind of drive through. Unless there's a body lying in the streets, they kind of just drive off. Now I don't even bother. I understand that how frustrating that must be that's why i mean that's why you know you need to get the elected officials and the cops on board when you have these high crime areas we're going to we're going to flood them with cops and, and yes and we're going to encourage the cops to enforce the law and if some people don't like it okay too bad 8556161620 those are some of my thoughts what do you think and I, I just my heart goes out to the people that are living in some of these areas i, I just i was really struck when the woman says oh there's gunfire all the time you know we don't i don't i don't pay attention to this it it just happens so often Who, who can raise a family in an environment like that? We discuss in a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner, 855-616-1620. I apologize for getting on my high horse about this, but the the frustrating thing about this entire story is you, you have people who are trapped in their neighborhoods who are held hostage by the ongoing violence. Lamar in Orlando, Florida. Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. So there's a, there's a few pieces I want to hit really quick um, and then move on. But one is response. Your texture hit it hit, hit the first my first point. Police response is terrible. Having been in that having lived in that environment, it's terrible. You fire you call about gunshots and then three late three hours later the police show up. It's like okay they're gone. It's over. Um, that's the first issue. The second issue is as you pointed out, like when there is a, a murder does happen, the clearance rate right now is low. And so it's yep. like, okay, you're not going to catch them anyway. And the, the third thing is, and I want to clear this up, that everyone said there's, there's no snitching thing within the communities. They misconstrued that, that, that quote-unquote rule. No snitching means if Jeff, me and you commit a crime and I get caught, I don't, tell the, I don't tell them that you were involved. It doesn't mean that I saw, you know, John commit a crime in my neighborhood and I'm not telling on him. The reason that people don't tell is because they're, they're afraid. They, they're, you know, if you're telling the bad guy, you're not protected. I don't know if you remember the story that the General Sentinel did about the guy threatening people from behind bars, right. you know, and, and, you know, and almost killed the guy because he was on trial for murder. That's, those are the big issues. So it's like, okay, police response is terrible, um, or, and the clearance rate is low anyway, or if I do tell and cooperate, my life becomes a danger and I'm not protected, what's the point? So what's the answer? You know, you it, I mean, I don't, Jeff, to be quite honest, I don't have an answer. I mean, there's so many, okay. there's so many moving pieces here from, you know, yeah. un, unstable neighborhoods that have a ton of rents to poverty to schools to the, the, the need for more police to, there's just so many moving parts here. You know, it, it, right. you know, this has been, like I said, this has been, this is, there's so many moving parts, Jeff. I don't have an answer, no. I'll be quite honest. Uh, fair enough, like Laura. I, I, right. No, no. Fair, fair enough. And, and I mean, and I don't. I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess if you're looking for for me to come up with a place to start, first of all, it it, it is the saturation of police. And I'm, you're exactly right. You report, hey, there, there's shots fired in this alley, and and we need enough cops and we need enough response to say, okay, you're, you're not going to wait three hours. So I, I'm, I'm sympathetic with that. I do lay some blame on the neighborhoods because I, I appreciate there's th- this element of fear that's out there, but. It, it's never going to be solved if the people who know things would rather just simply say, "I, I don't want to get involved. I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to." Because then, then you're stuck. 
then you have guaranteed that you're going to be cowering in your house, hoping that you're not a victim when the next drive-by shooting occurs. And, you know, they're, they're trying to hit the drug house three doors down from you, and they get the wrong house, and, you know, bullets start flying through your house. So you, you've got to get past that. And, again, we, we also come back to the fact that I, I do think the criminal justice system in Milwaukee has let people down in a big way by, again, just, just turning loose these revolving doors where you put the people back out out on the street to commit crimes over and over again. So it, it's a difficult situation, but th- this is where you got to bring the community together. And you got to, and I mean, I guess I look for the elected officials I, to start this off by saying to the community, look, here, here's the deal. We cannot tolerate this. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I have a quick question for you. Um, I, and I get the community to be involved, but I, I always ask this question. Whenever a civilian is, 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 is shot and killed, right? We rely on the police to, to solve it, right? And the clearance rate is what it is. But whenever it's law enforcement, the response is fierce, and they always solve it. I always ask, why isn't it that same fervor when it's a citizen? Well, why, Mar, is, why, for, don't, yeah, why isn't it that well, same response? Well, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I appreciate it. I guess I'm not sure I agree with your premise. I mean, the, the there, part part of the, the reason, Milwaukee actually used to do a very, very good job with the clearance rate on homicides. Now now it's down, but it's part of it is the fact that they're, they're just overwhelmed. You know, when you had, what, 195 homicides in the city last year, they, they just, the, the clearance rate has absolutely plummeted. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't get the sense that there's, a lack of, of zeal that's out about trying to solve these cases. Matter of fact, I, I think you know they're, they're doing a great job, but what the problem is, and it, when it comes to all these homicides that are out there, I, I think in many respects you've got just like the police that are trying to put their, their fingers in the hole of, of the dike and trying to stop the water from, from pouring through, and every time you plug up three holes, there's six more that end up spilling out. But I, I guess I just think it's a You've got to have the community that, that comes together, or it's not going to get any better. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, personal notes, very special happy birthday wishes to my dear friend Mary, who is a regular listener. Stay warm there, kiddo. I'm fascinated by this story. Um, Spotify. I don't know how many people know about Spotify. It's, It's the world's largest music streaming service provider. There's 300 plus, almost 400 million monthly active users, including like about 172 million paying subscribers. And and what happens is Spotify offers digital copyright restricted recorded music and podcasts. They've got more than 70 million songs that, that are out there. And so um, it's available in like 180 countries. I mean, Spotify is is this big thing. And, and interestingly, the way they compensate the artists who agree to allow their songs to be played on Spotify is they pay royalties, but it's based on the, the number, the, your proportion of the number of songs streamed. So if there's... I don't know, 7 million artists that are on Spotify, what ends up happening, and, and your song is played 10% of the time, you're, you're going to get a huge chunk of, of the royalties. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. I, I bring this up because 
there's been this interesting battle. Neil Young, who, if you are a child of the 70s, you will remember Neil Young, um, an individual performer, and then Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Neil Young's and he's been around for forever, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to diss him, but I think you know in, it was the '70s and the early '70s were kind of his high points. Um, he's got a couple of, I think, just really great albums. Um, after the Gold Rush, which has the song "Southern Man" on it, that came out in '70, and then. Um, um, his record Harvest that has the song Harv- Heart of Gold on it. I-, I think those are just just two absolutely great albums. But Neil Young has been interesting because he he's an activist, um, very very liberal. But that that's that's kind of to be expected. And he's had his own very unique way of of doing things. He marches to the beat of his own drum. Well, here's the interesting reason that he's back in the news. Uh, uh, he of course was actually one of the first artists to jump on the whole concept of, of Spotify and he's been on Spotify for a, a number of years and he gets lots and lots of his tunes that are downloaded. Here, here's the deal though. He has now written an open letter to Spotify demanding that Spotify either pull his music we're, we're not going to allow you to stream our music anymore or what they have to do is they have to pull the podcasts of, of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is, of course, the comedian, you know, um, entertainer, podcaster, commentator, whatever. Um, he currently, the Joe Rogan experience, um, and, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers has made reference to that. Well, anyhow, that's currently Spotify's most popular podcast. It also tops Apple's podcasting charts. But here's the deal. In 2020, Joe Rogan signed an exclusive podcasting deal with Spotify that's reportedly worth $100 million. So Spotify has committed $100 million to to Joe Rogan. Neil Young is now saying, well, it's either him or me because I don't like uh, what Joe Rogan said about vaccines and things like that. I, I think it's been irresponsible, and I don't want to be associated with the same service that would put a, a Joe Rogan on. So he wrote an open letter to his manager and record label criticizing Rogan and Spotify. I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. So he's saying... I it's either him or me. Now, they've taken that, that letter down, and I, I think part of the reason is because earlier, uh, actually late, it was last year, that Neil Young sold 50% of the rights of his recording catalog to another company. So they presumably, you know, when people stream the stuff under Spotify, they're, Neil Young stuff, they're getting a bunch of money, that this company that he sold the rights to. So I don't know that Neil Young... That's what happens when you sell the rights to your catalog and things like that. You you kind of lose control over that. Secondly, there's still a lot of money involved here, and I'm sure what the managers of Neil Young said is, look, Spotify has committed a hundred million dollars to Yo- Joe Rogan. It's the number one podcast, you know, wor- worldwide, or at least in this country. They're not going to pull the Joe Rogan experience. That's just not going to happen. So. Here's the bottom line, Neil. You can go ahead and you can stand on principle, but then, first of all, you, you probably have given up the right to do that because you sold a huge chunk of your catalog, and those people have a say. And on top of that, if Spotify's got to choose between allowing your music to be streamed and the Joe Rogan experience, well, you know, Neil, you know, people 
people love Southern Man, but you're probably going to lose on that. So he's apparently now taken down that, that letter and that demand. My guess is if you look at Spotify, Joe Rogan is a much bigger deal to Spotify users than Neil Young would be. But it is one of these tensions that's out there now, and this especially comes true when you have these artists who sign up for these different services and make these deals and make these arrangements, and then, gee, they they don't like the politics of some of the other people that are on the the same sort of streaming service, and they want to try to react. In this case, my guess is Neil Young, much less important to Spotify than Joe Rogan, and so nothing is going to end up coming of this. But Neil Young does get, you know, the, the headline about how he demanded this all happen. Joe Rogan, I think, wins this particular round. Okay, when we come back, as long as we're talking about streaming services, one of the most popular streaming services is charging more for their content. Is it worth it? We'll discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Boy, what a weird day yet again in the stock market. Uh, I mean, yesterday, at one point in time, the, the Dow Jones Industrials was down over a 1,000 points, and uh, the, the NASDAQ was down like 500, and they both came back and finished in, in positive territory. Today, at one point in time, I think the Dow Jones was down 500. It is now up 114. The NASDAQ was down like 300. Now it's still down 143. But uh, the stock market is not right now for those of the faint at heart. And it, it's just it's a lot of... It's a lot of uncertainty that's going on. That's it. You've got, you know, what's going to happen with with COVID. And by by the way, some people say, oh, you talk too much about COVID. Notice no COVID discussion yesterday or today on the program. So you've got the issues about COVID. You've got the supply chain stuff. You've got uh, inflation that is running rampant. Matter of fact, a couple pieces that I was looking at today about how even with the wage increases that people have had because of the tighter labor markets, um, in, inflation is still out past the um, uh, surpassed the, the the pay increases, so still it, it's a net loss for people. Even if you might have gotten a raise, it's pretty much gotten swallowed up by the increased costs of stuff. You've got all the uncertainty going on in the world. I mean, what, what's going to happen in Ukraine if Russia moves in? And, and you might say, well, why do markets care in the United States or? Why do we care what happens in Ukraine? Well, part of it has to do with, with oil supply. So a large part of it is one of the things that I think the government would do is that they'd impose sanctions. And, and you could pose some really difficult sanctions, you know, shutting off Russia, for example, from a lot of the currency markets in Europe and the United States. And that would certainly have an impact on places that have loaned money to Russia, all sorts of stuff. So it's that uncertainty which is all contributing to everything that's going on nowadays in the stock market, but it's certainly not a place for the timid. All right, so I got a notice. Got a notice. Open my my personal email box today, and my, my friends at Netflix are reaching out. Je- Hi, Jeff. Updating prices to bring you more. We hope you're enjoying everything Netflix has to offer. We're updating our prices to bring you more great entertainment. 
which I, I think is is a really great way of saying we're, we're jacking up what you've got to pay every month. But it, it's like we're updating your prices. Note they don't say increasing the prices. They say we're updating our prices to bring you more great entertainment. In other words, instead of, hey, we're going to charge you more, your monthly price change will go to $15.49 on February 25th, 2022. This update, <laughs> by, by the way, it's more money than I pay now. This update hmm, will allow us to deliver even more value for your membership with stories that lift you up, move you, or simply make your day a little better. In other words, Jeff, we're updating your payment. You should be thanking us because, yes, you're going to be paying more, but you're going to be getting so much more. I, I love it. We don't use the word increase. We use the word update. Questions? Visit the Help Center or learn more. You can contact us. Thank you for using Netflix. We hope you stay with us for years to come. We look forward to showing you what we have in store. That's the, for my friends at the Netflix team who are telling me that they're updating my account. In other words, I'm going to have to pay more. Um, I, I just I, I do this just kind of mental gymnastics because as somebody who's really into the pop culture and likes all the different choices, I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit how many streaming services that we have because we have Netflix and I, I like Netflix and we have Hulu and we have Peacock and we have Disney Plus. And I, I did. I'm always intrigued to go with even even more because you see something say, oh, that Discovery Plus looks interesting. But I, I don't have things like that. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. All these different streaming services that are out there, are they are they worth it? Like I say, Netflix, they're doing me a favor. They're updating my account, which means I'm, I'm going to pay more. But I'm going to get so much more for the more money that I end up paying. Are we in a situation now with these streaming services where maybe we need to step back and start considering doing what a lot of people did with conventional cable, which is cut the cord. How many of these streaming services do we really need? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I say this, having just spent a couple hours last night watching something that was on Netflix, and my my next binge thing is I'm going to go back and watch Ozark, which I I like on Netflix. So I'm going to probably... Accept the updated price and pay fifteen forty nine for the foreseeable future. But are, are are these getting out of control? And how do you figure out which ones to get rid of? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I have to admit, this is this is one of my my favorite notifications of, in a long time because Netflix, which is one of the streaming services I have, and it's actually probably the first one that we signed up for. And and, and I I like that. I like Netflix. I like a lot of their original programming. I I, I enjoy it, so I'm not going to drop it. But they're they're jacking up the the fees, and so they sent me this note. Got it this morning. Hi Jeff. We hope you're enjoying everything Netflix has to offer. We're updating our prices to bring you more great entertainment. Now, let, let's read. What that means is 
we're increasing what you pay every month, but it's we're updating our prices to bring you more great entertainment. Your monthly price charge will change to fifteen forty nine. Begins on February twenty fifth of twenty twenty two. The update will allow us to deliver even more value for your membership. We're doing you a favor, Mr. Wagner. Hey, Jeff. We're, this is you are so lucky that we're jacking up your rates because we're going to be able to offer you even more. Now, this, the reality is, I, I'm not going to drop Netflix because of the different streaming services we have, I, I find myself using that more. But I've been just kind of sitting back and I think I'm like maybe you are, that you, you say, okay, this looks interesting. I'm gonna down I'm gonna sign up for this streaming service and because I want to watch this thing and I understand it's a thirty day free trial or whatever and then you end up never canceling it. And because a lot of the stuff is, is nickel and dime. It's nine ninety nine a month or whatever this is. You you don't really think of it. You don't go through your credit card bill every month and say, okay, this is nine bucks and this is twelve bucks and pretty soon it adds up to money. Jeff, fifteen forty nine a month? No way. Jeff, I have a satellite dish, but I also use my free TV antenna. A lot of the shows that I watch ends up being um free. Jeff, my internet service was cut last Friday. When I called the service department, first they told me that they were updating the service with Fiverr Conduit. I told them I didn't want to pay more. Okay, they're offering $5 less of what I pay, and then it's $20 more a month. I'm like, okay, thanks for the favor. Jeff, you know, if you want to watch the Brewers, you still have to keep the cable. Well, yeah, that's the reality as well. Jeff, we also have several streaming services plus Dish Network because because my wife can't let go. That's it. Blame it on your wives. <laughs> but blaming most of these things on my spouse don't doesn't. Number one, it doesn't work, and number two, it's not fair. Because admittedly, most of this stuff, most of this stuff is 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 generated by me. We also have several streaming services plus Dish Network. Because my wife can't let go. I think the real cost savings would come if we were only to subscribe to one service at a time, then watch everything we could possibly want on that service, then cancel it and sign up for a different service, watch everything on that one. Person could watch a hundred hours of TV each week and never watch the same thing twice for less than $15 a month. Yeah, that's the problem, though, that, that, that first of all, that's a lot of work. And, and secondly, there's always that, that new stuff that's coming out that you end up wanting to see. You know, it's like, okay, on, on Disney Plus, they've, and I, I actually like Disney, too. You've got the, the new Star Wars stuff coming up or the new Marvel stuff that's coming up. And you go, well, okay, you know, I, I could cancel it. But I'm going to want to see those type of things. And, and that's why these streaming services, that's why they're always dropping the new content. That's why they're doing this all the time, because they, they don't want people to, you know, end up doing that. So one of our texters kind of summarized it. Jeff, just welcome to the club. So that, that's it. I, I do know this, but my advice is take the Netflix. So next time you're going to charge somebody more for something, forget, you're not telling them you're charging them more. Don't say that we're going to increase the cost. Just say, we're updating our price list, and, and, and by the way, we're, we're doing this, we're doing it as a favor to you because, okay, we're going to charge it, we're going to update our price list, you're going to pay $2 more for that cheeseburger, but you know what, the experience is going to be so much better. One of our texters says, Jeff, what is it that Lyndon Johnson always used to say? Don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. Well, maybe you've got a point there. Um, tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to John and wrap up the program. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.